Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Moose Okwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks, Moose. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good. Are you? Kind. Uh, I'm uh, yes. Uh, the results are in, by the way. You might be thinking I'm talking about the first, second round games of the World Cup. I'm not talking about those results. I'm talking about the results of whether or not people think that Moose Okwonga has got that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the verdict is. The verdict was an overwhelming yes, which makes me think no one knows you as well as I do. Well, the verdict, I thought a lot of people <laughs> said no because I didn't give them this Latin take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this Latin take, man. Yeah. It does exist. It does exist. Yeah. yeah. I, t- I told, who did I tell the other day? Oh, I, an unnamed member of football media. That's shall true. Remain, for their own safety, shall remain unnamed. And they agreed with it. Um, what I will say there's, because I'm not actually, I'm not tweeting that much at this World Cup, I find that my hot takes are getting hotter. The things I'm putting in the chats are like getting spicier. <laughs> Moose's usage rate has gone down, but his shooting percentage is through the roof. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Shooting percentage. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, let's, let's get into the games. Get into the games. Yes, let's the do it. Before we do get into the World Cup games, it's worth remembering, WSL was back this week. We're going to swerve most, well, we're going to swerve all of it because we haven't got time to do it tonight, but there's a good reason because... Flo Lloyd Hughes has a new podcast you may have heard. Yes. It's called it Counterpressed and it will go up Monday and it will feature all the talk of this weekend's games because Manchester United were playing at Old Trafford this weekend. I love that. I love that for them. 
we'll 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 read out the results and we'll summarize them a little bit in the final part of the show. But before we do go to a break, I just want to give a shout out to Julianne Sitch. And the reason I want to do this, shout out to Liz Reed, who sent us an email yesterday. And I was actually going to read it out today, but it turns out that the game has already taken place. So I'm just going to read a tweet from Claire Watkins. DePaul grad and former Chicago Red Star, Julianne Sitch, just became the first woman to ever manage a men's college soccer team to a national championship. Oh, wow. Love it. And she was the first woman to manage a men's college soccer team to a national championship game. Her University of Chicago won the D3 title today and she was undefeated in her first season. Legacy. Love it. So, shouts to the University of Chicago. Shouts to Julianne Sitch. An amazing achievement. I wanted to give that a big shout out at the top of the show. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. One quick bit of admin, actually, before we do get onto the football. With this outro today, the Stadio Outros playlist is now 24 hours. It full means day you can, of music. You can have a full 24 hours of music that has been played out on Stadio. Love if it. You, if you don't know, go and search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. That's where all the music is. But anyway, onto the World Cup. Yes. I think we should begin with... Argentina. No. I really? think we should begin with the Netherlands, yeah, because you I think, think this was yeah, because I think this was a bigger game. I think Argentina went through and that was expected, and it was closer oh, than t- we probably t- would have anticipated. I take your point. I take your but point. I take. I think that Netherlands three, USA one, and especially because Musa, we are on the Ringer, which is a US based platform. Oh my goodness! Of course, totally forgot. They it just feels, how, feels so universal. They want to hear how their boys got on, and unfortunately. If you haven't heard already, they didn't do so well. Netherlands 3, USA 1. Um, I'm going to let you summarise, if you want to summarise. Do you want me to, do you I'll want me summarise. To it's the thing that Van Hal said that I can't get away yeah. from. The thing about how we had our tactics and the US did not adapt. Yep. Brutal. And we targeted the flanks. And that was absolutely, the, when I saw it, I thought, oh God, because there's something that Ian said about Croatia against Canada. And actually very similar dynamics. Ian called Croatia the wily old fox. Yep. And this is the thing. This is the gap, really. The wily old fox of Croatia, the wily old fox, the quintessential wily old fox, Louis van Gaal, against the US. And he just saw them and picked them off. And even when the US, in the ascendancy early on, high possession, real quality, again, the parallel with the, the only parallel, I think we, we can't draw the Canada games, that Canada took the lead against Croatia, but here, very different in terms of the Netherlands just imposing their will and maintaining it. And that's bad for Bahalter, I think. That's I think kind so. of, you know what I mean? That's kind of on him. And that, that's how I would summarise it, just the Van Hal summary, because it just seemed, I saw it and thought, my God, that's, that's a damning indictment, isn't it? We'll touch on Bahalter a little bit later, maybe. But I think with this game, obviously Pulisic had that really, really early chance. Yeah, huge. Um, and it was a great save. I think if it had gone in, though, I don't actually think the, ge- the game would have played out a huge amount different, because... Mm. 
in that first 10 minutes or so, that was where the USA had their best period without, without a doubt. Yeah. But even within that, they didn't feel like they created a huge amount apart from the Pulisic chance. And the reason for this, I think, is because you could, this, is, this is one of those games that if you haven't seen the game and you just go and look at the statistical breakdown, like the USA were like, wow, they were really hard done by, but actually I don't think they were. And mm. I don't want to sound dismissive there, but for all of that possession in the first half, I think it was, it was by design from the Netherlands. Now also it's worth pointing out that this angered quite a lot of people in the Netherlands, most notably Marco van Basten, because mm. this isn't a vintage Netherlands side. But has it been? Has it been? This is the thing. Hasn't been since 2008. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying that this you, is... No, 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 we, we know that. We know that. I think yeah, that, we know that. For, for, for the Dutch back in the Netherlands, them um, kind of allowing the USA to have that much control of the ball, mm. I think, didn't sit well with a lot of people. However, I don't think that the USA controlled the game with that possession in the first half because there was something really interesting that I thought where the Netherlands, they didn't even really press in that first half. They just sat Gakpo and Depay as a two Mm. just off of the centre-backs and in between uh, in between the USA centre-backs and their full-backs and just let them, they actually kind of let them pass through them yeah. into someone in centre midfield and the Netherlands just moved around and just eliminated any option or the US couldn't find an option to break through and I think that this was actually, I think, the first game, even though that midfield I think is the best, it's the best part of the US. Yes. Berhalter, probably should have introduced Gio Reyna sooner. Mm. If he, I mean, to be honest, I can't believe that Gio Reyna hasn't been starting this World Cup. And it's a, it's an, it's a thing that has been bugging me a little bit because they've really, they've really changed, uh, they've changed personnel consistently at the number nine spot at the USA. And I just don't mm. know why they do it because it's a, real, it's a real weakness for this squad. So why play with one at all, actually? And it's a totally different config. The problem is they've got such different skill sets. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Gio Reyna for Dortmund is really good at, uh, linking play in between the lines breaking lines with running so is Pulisic uh, he can play central he can play wide there are a lot of players like McKenney is has been great for Juve at making late runs mm. there are enough attacking attack minded midfielders in that USA squad that are also really really technical and really gifted that actually I don't think you, I think you actually lose out on creativity if you could just go and play a number nine for example this game if Gio Reyna had been playing in the first half and been able to drop into those little pockets, I think that's, yeah. that could have done the USA the world of good because what happened was, or what didn't happen, sorry, for the USA, is that yeah. for all of the ball that they had in the first half, they did not move the Netherlands around one bit bar the first five minutes, I don't think. And, and the goals for the Netherlands came with basically... Extremely basic. Eye, it looked like very, very minimal effort they moved the US round way too easily as soon as they got the ball. So therefore, they actually didn't need the ball. Yeah, you know how basic it was from the reaction of the US defenders themselves for the final goal. Even they yeah. were like, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievably basic. Like I mean, it, that was the worst of the lot because this it was, was the but first got, goal. I mean, this was the first time that the US had conceded in open play in the tournament and the three goals, I mean, the first two goals, I think were just good goals from the Netherlands. They got progressively worse, right? They, they got progressively worse. The final goal. The final goal I mean, was a culmination. <laughs> it was foreshadowed by the first two. The, the second goal in particular was bad because you know what's going to happen at that point. You know the player's going to get wide, you get tight. You knew this was coming. So it was, 
there was a moment when I was thinking to myself, if they swap the coaches, do the US go through? As a thought experiment, like if you give Van Hal the personnel and Bahal to the personnel and how they set up, because I think that a Van Hal level intellect against this team could still have like found a way to win it. I think that fluidity you mentioned, you look at the, um, the Portugal team of the Euro 2000, the amazing Portugal team with Nuno Gomez playing as, the, as a striker, but sort of withdrawn, that sort of, that configuration of having like a front six where you're not sure who to mark. Mm. You're right. It matches the US skill set so well. And Pulisic is, again, like you say, very good with running into space, attacking space, but having this fixed point doesn't work for them. It, yeah, you're right. It doesn't get the best out of the, out of the players. And I wonder now, Bahauta as a coach, is he the element that actually is not going to get the best out of this squad? Well, we had a couple of questions on this, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I do wonder also whether if Berhalter could have a do-over, whether we would have thought about maybe playing three at the back. Oh, really, you think? Well, the problem was that the <laughs> Destin Robinson was so high mm. um, and it looked like quite often McKenney would drop in or Adams would drop in to get the ball and then they kind of move up the pitch. But then the problem was that as soon as the Netherlands got the ball, there was, a, there was so much space behind the USA's fullbacks that literally one assist, one, one Dutch wingback assisted for the other one and one goal. You made a great point about Dest, you know, because Dest, it's funny because I've seen him often as a wingback in terms of his attacking thrust and defensively, actually, don't get me wrong, he's been really quite impressive in this tournament on the whole. Uh, Well, for the most part until, you know, until today. Um, But the thing about the back three is interesting because then you allow him to be in a role. How do I say this? Put this, if Dest was at Atalanta, he'd be playing as a wingback. I mean, it just right. takes a little bit flat. of pressure off him. It does. And also gets his, I mean, although he has defensively improved, I think, uh, he still is at his best as an attacker. Mm. It's a great yeah, shot. I mean, there actually. were times at Barcelona that, that Koeman played him as a right winger. Yeah. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I, I liked him that way, to be honest. I thought mm. he did some really well, great did, work well, Did Javi do that? I don't think Javi did that. I think uh, Koeman did. I don't, I think Koeman did it. Yeah. Might yeah. be wrong. But anyway, he definitely put, spent some time in the front three. Mm. Um, Kuman did some good things at Barca. This is the, yeah, it's not, I mean, no one's going to litigate that now, but yeah, you know, yeah, sure. Kuman, Kuman at Barca doing good things is a bit like Klinsmann at Hertha. People mm. never really give it its credit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's another story. So there's been a little bit of a, I don't know, I think that the Netherlands You called it a midfield were, trap. You called it a midfield trap, which was a great expression, didn't you? For the Netherlands. Yeah, you I called think it a trap. Carl, the Carl used, I think Carl called it a trap. Was it, I was just basically saying that they, they were just... It, I, was it Carl? I, yeah, the great yeah, Carl, Carl said Carl said they were setting midfield traps, but I was saying that the thing that I would be annoyed about as a coach for the US, if I was coaching this US side, is that is, it's just how content the Netherlands were with them having the ball, knowing that they didn't even really need to try too hard for them to get the ball back when they mm. really wanted to. And you saw that in the second half, like the Netherlands ramped up the amount of possession they had. They kind of turned the screw a little bit more depending on which model you look at, the US could have maybe just scraped it on XG. The one that I, I looked at, it had the Netherlands winning it. And also the thing about XG is that there's a, there's a, you need to be careful in people interpret yeah. that because there's also teams playing within themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting, this is the thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think the Netherlands needed to work too hard for that 3-1 win. Right. Actually. And I think that will be the real shame for the, for the US because... I expect that to be closer. Given their yeah. peak performances in this tournament, I expected this game to be closer. Well, the thing that annoyed me a little bit was that 
they were so ponderous with the ball in the first half and they couldn't shift the Netherlands around. And as soon yeah. as they actually just thought, fuck this and just drove at them a little in the second half, they caused them a couple of issues. Yeah. And that's where the goal came from. I mean, the goal was wild. I said in the uh, writer's <laughs> house chat that it was like a, it was a trajectory of like an ISS Pro 98 thing. I don't know if you remember that, but you used to do this thing where you'd write, maybe run away from the goal to the right-hand side. And if, if you click shoot, <laughs> Sometimes it would hit it with the outside of the left foot at like a right angle. It was unbelievable. So the, the reason I'm laughing is the last time you referenced a computer game, yeah. I laughed because I was like, I clearly don't know this. And then oh, yeah. someone wrote in and said, ha ha, you can tell Musa doesn't know this because oh, right. he's laughed. Ha ha, it's just happened again. <laughs> but the finish was, the finish, it was bizarre. Like he was, when Wright sees it go in, he's almost like, oh, I, ha- I, have, to cel- I have to celebrate this. I'll take it. I'll take it. But you he's know. Like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I've scored against the Dutch. <laughs> hey, hey, do you know what he's probably thinking? He's like, that's the kind of goal that's going to get me nominated for Stadio Goal of the Year. That's what he's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's like, celebrate it like it was deliberate because this would get me a big move. <laughs> um, for the Netherlands, quickly before we move on to some US thoughts, mm. I think this is pretty much par for them. I think they were good. Mm. I think they could do better. Like we yes. said before, I don't think this is a vintage Netherlands side, but I, I feel that Van, Van Hal is at that age where he's just kind of like, I don't really care how we look. I want to win. This is my last chance of winning something. Here. It's very Van Hal 2014. Yeah. I mean, who was it? Uh, I think it was uh, Ed Kilver. Shout, shout out to Ed, friend of the show, who said, <laughs> USA get killed by 2015 Man United. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. They are. But that is exactly, it's funny because we gave Van Hal the job coming off the back of the World Cup. So what did we expect, frankly? But he, he gave it 2014. And the thing about 2014 that he did, right, he was the guy that took out Costa Rica. Mm. Like, and that's the thing about Van Hal. He's so clever at getting teams that are like fancied and shutting them down. Like he doesn't, it's funny because for such a kind of like confident, blustery character, he doesn't underestimate his opponents. And I will always give him credit for that. Like he always sees the threat direct and is like, this is what we're going to do to them. This is how we take them down. And he just, mm. it felt like it was a, not to be like a, too much of a cliche. It was like in those moments we were like, there are levels to this. Yeah. There are levels to this in terms of the coaching aspect. Yeah. I think, um, I think the USA saw the levels here. I don't think the USA can be too disheartened about it because this was about par for this group of players and this manager at the moment. There's a potential really good squad in there mm. at one point, but I feel that there's not a huge amount of depth it's hard to say what they'll be like for 2026. Let's use this, these questions to, to pivot to that. Yes. Uh, Gavin Littman says, question for the podcast, given where the US uh, men's national team is at the moment, great young team with lots of potential, home World Cup in 2026. Wh- who would you recommend as their next manager to get them to that next level of competitiveness in 2026, assuming Berhalter departs? And another question from Tyler Scott, who said, hey guys, uh, I'm trying to decipher what grade to give Beholter. He did get the USA out of the group, but he was severely outcoached by Van Gaal. His man management was iffy at best and he had no backup plans. I guess he gets a C. What do you think? I also would. I also wonder if the USA would be better served finding a better game manager. This group of players will be in their prime in 2026. And with the World Cup being co-hosted by the States, the expectations will be even higher. Any candidates you think could come in honestly sticking with Berhalter how good is Spalletti's English because four years from now how good is is Spalletti's English 
because you don't know how much longer, you, you know, the Napoli thing, you don't know, but like, I know, but it needs a player. It needs a coach with that level of imagination. I think you need a coach with that level of imagination and fluidity because I think the US are most impressive when they're fluid, really. Who would you go with? Well, who is out of work, famous for getting his teams to play like unrelenting football, but also prone to tiring for being overworked? Oh, Bielsa. Oh my God. That is an incredible, oh my God, and has even worked with some of those players. And I think, yeah, and a huge, a huge number of that team speaks Spanish as well. Bielsa to the US is an incredible, incredible recommendation. It's perfect, right? You wouldn't it's even need a nine. You wouldn't need a nine. You wouldn't need a nine. Because... You need a nine. Exactly. You wouldn't need one. You'd have a press. Aronson starts in that team. Oh my God, of course he does. Aronson starts in that. That team yeah. is, un- that team, honestly, I'm legitimately excited about that. Aronson and Rayner starting and pressing the hell out of everything in sight. And I Weir. know we have a couple of go-tos for- Front three, Aronson, Weir, and Rayner under BLC. No, Pulisic, Pulisic false nine. If Pulisic still- Pulisic will be there. Pulisic will be there. Come on. I'm not trying to be that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying like, don't like the, a lot can change in four years. Oh yeah. Hell of a lot, lot can a change. Lot can, this, a lot, this squad won't look like this in four years time. No way. And I'm, and I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm not, I don't know. I think Bielsa, I don't know. Bielsa, does he start him? I don't know. All I'm saying is a front three of Pulisic, Aronson and, and Timothy Weir is devastating. It's devastating. Because mm. one of the things that happened in this game was like when he, when when Rayner finally got introduced, and I think that Berhalter's uh, unwillingness to use Rayner in this tournament has been, let's say, personally, I found it quite perplexing. Mm. I assume he was fully fit, mm. and when he's fully fit and he plays, he is unbelievable. He's had yeah. a lot of injury problems in the last year or two, which has been which have been concerning, no doubt. But when Gio Reyna is fit, Gio Reyna plays because Gio Reyna is an unbelievable footballer with a huge amount of potential. Yes. I think he made the US better in the second half when he came on, despite being seemingly played in the number nine spot. Yeah. yeah. And then later on in the game, he dropped a little bit deeper and was linking the play. Um, Bielsa is an incredible shout. I mean, I know that we have a couple of managerial go-tos for, stuck for questions like no, this. But that's legitimate, that's legitimately, that, you know, like, no, but that's legitimately, no, that's a great shout. But I genuinely think that in terms of it's brilliant, right? And also, one of Bielsa's best periods was in international management. And even the one which didn't work out for him, the Argentina one um, in the World Cup, even that World Cup, they were a game away from it all clicking. I was re-watching those games recently, not, not that I should have been, but, but just because Bielsa's Argentina was on the verge of exploding in that World Cup. And it didn't, it was like the game against Sweden, they just absolutely went up, they, they chased them. But, but to your point about uh, the Bahalta grading, I'm, I'm always wary of giving grades to coaches because it feels reductive. What I would say is there's a tier of elite coaches at this tournament, and you could put into that very quickly Luis Enrique. I mean, obviously, the departed Hansi Flick, he still is an elite, you know, and a Van Hal. Um, and then there's a sort of a tier slightly below that, and there's a tier slightly below that. And I think that Bahalta is in the third tier. I think that, that, that might sound mean, but I think it's, that's where I see it in terms of someone who can make, we've always said this, the World Cup winning coaches, just like the NBA, are those who make adjustments, right? They always like, make adjustments, make adjustments, make adjustments. You know, that's why Nick Nurse is a genius, right? For the Raptors. Mm. And um, 
that ability to keep thinking and like have measures and countermeasures, it's actually what Scaloni's done for Argentina very impressively. Scaloni has found countermeasures. It's actually really impressive what he's doing now with Argentina. They, they, they looked really impressive in large periods against Australia. We'll get into that in a sec. And actually the scoreline is deceptive in this game. Mm. So yeah, uh, I think that how to, I think for the US to really go to the next level, they need to find a coach who is in that sort of, that top tier. And they, they can, yeah, Bielsa, they, they Bielsa's, really a, Bielsa's a great shout for that, actually. He is a great shout for that because I think it would work in, I think it would work with this group of players in an international setting for sure. The other one, if the USA didn't want to go there, because it has been, there have been some rumours around today that Uruguay are looking at replacing Diego Alonso with That's uh, interesting. Bielsa. Oh my God. But in terms oh of, God. say, American coaches, I don't think Pellegrino Matarazzo is a bad shout because no, no, I, I, agree. I really rate him as a coach. And I know that his time at Stuttgart came to a bit of a, an unfortunate end, but Some of the, the, whole, the whole thing is falling apart at Stuttgart. Like Mislintat's left now as well. Yeah. And they had a, they, when, when they got it right there, they had a real, really good, good period, especially that first season they came up. Match for anyone on their day. With that squad that they have there. Mm. They could do a lot worse than someone like Pellegrino Matarazzo. I think, no, I agree with that. Some of the Stuttgart football last year, well, his first year was some of the best I'd seen in the Bundesliga. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, yeah. Anything else we need to say on that game? We no, I think we're good. Then we're good. Hard luck, US fans. Yes. But also, I'm very much looking forward to how far this, this Dutch side can go. And we will talk about their upcoming opponents after the break. You will. Right, man. So, Argentina 2, Australia 1. Mm. Again, sounds a lot closer than it probably yes. felt at points. Although, Australia in the first half, first 15 minutes or so in particular, I thought did really well. Mm. And we're actually a little bit unlucky maybe not to have an equaliser towards the end. Very unlucky. Well, Emmy Martinez coming up big, huge. Like, when the ball breaks, actually, for that chance at the end, I didn't fancy Martinez to save it. No, no, I thought it was going in. Didn't, didn't fancy him at all. Didn't fancy him at all to save it because the angle, but he closed down so well. Um, but the headline, Argentina winning 2-1 mm. and Leo Messi was supreme. He was 789 goals, 348 assists in 1,000 games. That's absurd because you're doing, he's done that as the most dangerous player on the pitch, as consistently most dangerous player, the player that everyone's looking for, looking to. His goal was astonishing. It was astonishing because he created the gap. It's actually wild when you, you think about his opener and that goal, to score that goal at that time, you know, just before half time, when everyone knows that Messi is the one person on the planet that everyone is watching, everyone's watching him. And the, when he gets the ball, the moment he gets the ball in the right flank, it's actually, I'm slightly getting, <laughs> getting slight shivers recalling it. He gets the ball on that flank and everyone on the pitch is like, we have to, well, it's going to happen. Whatever Messi does, it's going to be there, crucial. And the, the Australia players have defended so well this tournament and there was nothing they could do about it. And the angle that he takes is so clever. There's a book that came out a few years ago called Obliquity, where you get to, and I might have mentioned this once before in the podcast, where you get to the desired outcome by an indirect route. And Messi playing a square pass across the top of the box, you know you're in trouble. 
it should be a terrifying. When Messi gets the ball on that point and plays a square pass, you know you're, you know you're dead because he did that quite a few times in the Champions League. There's a thing that Messi does, right? He cuts off the right flank and plays the one-two. Mm. And at that point, the moment the one-two, the pass the one-two goes in, it's like yeah. walk to the halfway line. It's over. Do you know what it is? It's like you know when you uh, you know when you drop a glass. And there's that moment in between yes. dropping it and it land. And that's, that's what that moment is in football. It's the bounce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, the bounce when it's like, and it's gone. Like it's, it's going to yeah, shatter into a thousand. Like, it's already done. Perfect analogy. You're already thinking about cleaning up all of the pieces. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about a goal of that for Messi is that psychologically it's devastating. It's like, we can do this to you at any time. And the amount of players, yeah. we saw with them, you know, like, Kyungmin Son, there's a very limited number of players in world football that defences collapse onto, right? You see it in, you see it in basketball as well. Like there was a game I was watching the other day where like, I know like five players on Kevin Durant at one point. The entire defence collapsed onto him for the part before he kicked out the pass. And Messi in this game, in the second half in particular, was just, it was superhuman, right? Like he was running into coverage of two or three Australia players routinely and but for better finishing, he would have had two assists. Dude, Martinez could have had a hat-trick off Messi passes alone in this game. I'm a bit concerned about that. But I know that um, Di Maria was missing, so different conf- configuration. I had Papu Gomez in the mix. Do you know what? They missed him. Oh, they, they always do. Well, this is the thing they always do. Mm. This is the, the one fear I have. Paolo Dybala has not been given the game time. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what's going on there. But if you're telling me he doesn't score one of those three chances that Atara gets... And that should have been given an opportunity to do it because the problem now is Argentina going to a quarterfinal and they haven't battle hardened a player that good. And I worry because I, I was saying in the chat about this, Emmy Martinez saved Lautaro from becoming the new Gonzalo Higuain. If that goes to penalties or extra time, who knows what happens, right? But Argentina mm. go for 2-2 and they're already psychologically in the next round because the way they again, you know, the way they crowded Martinez, the Argentina players, they knew how big that moment was. And that is a moment when Latara's brain sort of, I think someone tweeted us about this. Um, we mentioned the podcast about how Latara getting a goal against Saudi was going to be really important for him. And now he's mm. chasing it. And now it's the quarterfinals and he hasn't got that goal. And he's kind of in the Gabriel yeah. Jesus situation where he's not fully trusting himself. The problem is with mm. this though, at least Gabriel Jesus didn't have that many clear chances for Brazil in 2018. The problem, and shout yeah. out to Gabriel Jesus, had to go home with injury, which is gutting for him. But yeah. the problem for Lautaro is- He's actually is, remaining with the squad, I think, at the moment. Oh, I, I love that for him. The problem yeah. with Lautaro is he's getting good looks, Ryan. Mm. Those are three looks that a player of his quality, A, rarely gets at this stage of a tournament, and B, finishes. Mm. So Argentina have got a question to- answer I think next round I'm not trying to be yeah. single I'm not trying to single them out I'm trying to be mean it's more like those marg- the margins are so small at this point you know yeah yeah they really are I mean I think the Dybala thing is probably just because he came into he got names in the squad uh, injured mm. um, so I'm just wondering whether it's something like that although Scaloni I think said something in his press conference he was okay so okay yeah but I think that's a big um, big game to throw him into but they're only going to get bigger from now on so it's and I think, hard to see and maybe Scaloni's trying to play Lataro into form yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think um, if if the baller is fit enough, though, and say the game against the the, the, the Netherlands is tight towards towards the end, ten fifteen minutes to go, mm. it wouldn't surprise me to see the baller come on then because I think that right. he'd be ready to go against a tiring defense. Kind of makes sense for him, and especially if if Lautaro is forcing it a little bit too much. 
that's the thing. It is, it's forcing it. Yeah, it, you just you could just tell. And then there was actually on the Messi thing though, because there was one where uh, Lautaro hit one, it was deflected. Matt Ryan saves it and it comes out to Messi and Messi just scuffs it wide and does this, just like rolls over on the floor. <laughs> There's a, there are moments that Messi does, like he basically just, he fucks up like any footballer does. In the last game, yeah, he did it as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's, yeah. A, there's, there's a really like comic thing that he does sometimes where he's just like, he it's so crap for him, his standards that he's just a bit like, he doesn't even get angry with himself. He's just a bit like, oh, this was so easy and I and I fucked this up. Messi's like, that's going onto social media. You know, that's like a compilation of all great players who have their blooper. <laughs> Messi's like, that's going straight to the blooper reel. He's like, <laughs> like, there was a moment in the last game where like, it was like, you, the commentator's going, Messi, Messi, and he cuts the edge of the box. He gets into the box and he hits off his standing leg, I think. And it's the most clumsy, ridiculous thing. And he's just like, oh, there we go. Like, it, I wouldn't think, be surpri- it wouldn't surprise me if Messi has like a burner that follows all of the biggest Ronaldo <laughs> stan accounts. And he's just like, oh shit, I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be on that one there. Oh, no. It's exactly that. And it, but here's the thing as well. And also credit to Messi's uh, supporting cast. Um, Rodrigo de Paul hunting down the press. Oh, oh my God. That it was. Right. Can we just, can we just take a moment to acknowledge how genuinely mind blowing it is that Rodrigo de Paul doesn't foul Matt Ryan on that thing. Listen, look, I, you know I hate a pop culture analogy, but the opening scene of The Dark Knight Rises when they robbed the plane midair, it was like that. Just watching them swoop on this poor unsuspecting goalkeeper and they hunted him down in a pack. This is the thing about Rodrigo poor de Paul. What he brings you, like out of possession, he's actually supreme. Like he's a, you know, he's a very good oh. footballer, but out of possession, Rodrigo de Paul, there are fewer players. There's that. There are very few more players you'd rather less be hunted down by than Rodrigo de Paul in that situation. And this is the thing, mm. what's so incredible about this goal is like, they create that from nothing. And they're telling you also, like Messi's first goal, different way, we're dangerous from anywhere. And Alvarez, for him, and I, we mentioned this before in the podcast, like his quality, Holland kind of overshadowing him, but like the fact that they have an absolute gem there for Manchester City and Argentina, and Alvarez is ruthless. Not only, I mean, so it wasn't even, not even just the finish, but just his movement, his anticipation. He's now got a couple of goals in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. And we've always said, you know, for Messi to really go to the high level, Messi needs help. And the thing about Alvarez, he can play as a winger. When Di Maria comes yeah. back, having Al- Alvarez, Di Maria and Messi, that to me is actually, that at the moment is the best front three for them. Is the best. And then that's controversial at all. And that's just like, Alvarez is so happy. And it's, it's really rare if you get a number nine who's so happy playing in a wide position, who is so uh, unselfish and generous with his movement. This is a legitimate problem. And that's the best, that's one of the best casts Messi's had. If he's like, we, we said this a thousand times before, but they're going to get it done. He couldn't want for, I think, a smarter um, group of individuals around him. And also shout out to Enzo Fernandez again, mm. because that man has come in and done work. Like if you'd said that, Lo Celso would be missed, but you'd have a deputy that would come in because Lo Celso is still brilliant, but you'd have a deputy who would come in and do such a creditable job. Uh, what, 21? I mean, mm. incredible, Ryan. Incredible from him too. Just, yeah, massive respect. Really good, man. Uh, and it's interesting you mentioned the Rodrigo de Pau thing because I don't think he's had the best World Cup by his not, standards. Not, not in possession, no. Not in possession. No, but I think, he's, I think he was really good tonight. And I still think that Argentina need to be careful because they can be got at mm. and also I think because there is this this sense of destiny or doing it for Messi you know very much like the Copper America that going a goal down in a knockout is going to build the pressure big time and I mm. think that 
I, I, yeah, I, I personally think that going at Argentina a little bit, because we have seen that they do have a weakness. And if you can play through that midfield and you get onto that back, that back line, they have struggled. Talk struggled about midfield. Arabia. I like, love Paredes defensively. I love him defensively. And it's so interesting because a lot of people, like basically him and Enzo Fernandez are like competing with each other for that spot. And it's funny because I, it's almost like he sacrificed match control for a kind of controlled chaos because the natural choice for me would be like Paredes over Depau, right? In terms mm. of he want, but he wants something slightly different. He wants a kind of a team that forces the issue a bit more. Um, and there's also a chemistry issue because I think DePaul and Messi love playing it together and, and DePaul gives you all these intangibles. So I think Scaloni's done something really smart and actually quite brave in picking DePaul over Paredes because I think a lot of managers wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I, I thought he was brilliant in the run that PSG had in his last year. I was really impressed by him. Um, but yeah, I think, again, it's, it's gutsy management from Scaloni. And here's the thing, again, it could easily have been 3-4-1. If those mm. chances go in, this is 4-1 Argentina and it's a very different conversation we're both having about this. We're, we're then saying, oh, Scaloni's plan was brilliant. It was disruptive. It was, does that make sense? Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but great win for Argentina. Yeah, and also let's talk about Australia quickly because I think that yeah. there is absolutely no shame whatsoever. Much like the US actually going out to the Netherlands, no shame for Australia to be going out to Argentina. It's been an amazing run. They did yeah. amazingly well to get out of that group. There's been mm. some unbelievable moments in those four games that they've played. You know, they had the the deflected goal, which got them back in it in this game. And it, they really, really nearly could, like we mentioned, could have got into it, uh, could have equalised, sorry, right at the end. They can absolutely leave the tournament with their heads held high. And uh, they've been like a really fun story, I think, in this. And they've played some great football, you know, uh, mm. so impressive, uh, great in transition. And they left everything out there. And that's the greatest compliment I think you can give them. They went mm. out like, you lose 2-1 to Argentina in a knockout, a team that could go on to win the thing. No greater credit than that. And actually, you know, we said about Holland, how they were par for the course. Mm. The, the, the key actually to a great team is a team that exceeds its par. I think that the US could still have beaten the Netherlands, actually. I think with the right coaching, the right nows, the right smarts, they could have squeezed the win. And I think that Australia were coached absolutely to and beyond their potential. And that's not said as a knock. I say that as an, every single player brought went above and beyond for them. Mm. So, and yeah, just, just, just one shout for, for as well. Um, we were going to, we were actually going to give him a shout. Angus Gardner sent us an email as well to, to give us a little nudge on this. Mm. Uh, some props to Garan Kuehl who was off to Newcastle in January but was the youngest player since Pele to play in a World Cup. Their recruitment as well. They've been smart. They've been smart, man. Mention of Pele, actually. Pele is ailing at the moment. Yeah. Has been moved to a, an end-of-life hospital. And it's strange. I mean, yeah, that's obviously awful, awful news. Uh, that's a conversation of the time, but just to flag it up and mention that, because that situation you know, mm. may have moved on by the time we speak again. Who knows? But, but again, like, where would you... It's another conversation, but I don't even know where you begin to... I don't know where you begin to assess that man's legacy, and I don't know where you end assessing it. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, so Argentina will play the Netherlands. It's all very 1978 in here. <laughs> oh. A rematch of the 78 final. I was going to say, it's all very 1998 in here, but you know, I am younger than you, so. Oh my gosh. Wow, wow. <laughs> Not that much younger, but still. Wow, wow. Okay, wow. Um, can we just give a quick shout out to the WSL before we get out of here? Yes, of course. 
Yeah, Manchester United beating Villa 5-0 at Old Trafford. Arsenal beating Everton 1-0. That was a big win for them. Miedemar back on the score sheet. Chelsea beating Leicester 8-0. Guru Wrighton is an absolute menace. Oh my goodness. She's a menace. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Some of the passes that she did and the assists for today were just... She did one for Kerr like a few weeks oh, ago that was yeah. out of this. It took out five players. Oh my God. So good. It was one of those like passes like, I'm still here. You, do re- you people do realise I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still giving up on the smoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure you check Counterpressed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch Flo and the gang recapping, I imagine, all of the games from this weekend. Once the World Cup is done and Sorry, we go almost back to... Almost said something cheeky. Oh, did you? I'd oh. Always, I almost said I'd love to see her in that Barca midfield. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Hey, <clears throat> sorry. You're a writer. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus, man. What is wrong with you? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Please carry on. Sorry. I'm being rude. Sorry. I would give this podcast an awful rating if I just heard that. <laughs> Dreadful. <laughs> so if anyone is listening or thinking about giving us a rating and a review, can you please give us a nice one for me? Please do it for me because as you can see, this is what I have to go through. What if- <laughs> I was going to say twice a weekly basis, but at the moment it's a daily basis. Please help. Shall we get out of here? Let's do it. Musa had to delay going out plans to record this podcast. Just a little ah. glimpse behind the curtain. <laughs> Go out and party while I'm sat here working. All right? I'll be thinking of the podcast. I'll be thinking of how to improve the podcast as I always do. Yeah, yeah. What about and about seeking seeking yeah. inspiration? Now I know why we never take on board any of your suggestions. If that's where <laughs> they take place, <laughs> uh, right? So, Madman, very quick. Don't forget, as I mentioned, check Counterpressed on Monday. Righty's House will be back on Monday with Musa and I. We'll be going over Sunday's games, including England, Senegal. Yeah, and then Stadio will be back on Wednesday. Uh, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. And the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, Saturday nights we've got to, we've got to play some old school. Got to play some old school stuff, man. Let's do it. Uh, NAD Distant Drums from an amazing album called Dawn of a New Age. Anything you would like to add, Musuak Kwanga? To be honest, I think you've added quite enough. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing further. Nothing further. <laughs> uh, much love, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and we will be back with you on Wright's House on Monday. See you then. Emotion sends the cause. The victory is the absolute. The irrelevance is the loss. To turn away a blasphemy. Condemnation of the faith. For fear of the sword. Is a fear of the race. Mark's blood is golden To those who seek true gold To those who turn their hearts to stone A march's words run cold But an idol to the masses Is no scapegoat the sword The power an ultimatum The proof of the spoken word Armageddon, 
Sound. 